you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around NFL Podcast. Is anyone still out there? Hello? <laughs> Fair question. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a city filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, Ricky Hollywood. What is up, boys and girl? Well, we're in more than one city now. Ricky, uh, with a beautiful backdrop, uh, if yeah, this is sent out on social at all, you know. Can we see it? Yeah, it's beautiful are, out. Sorry if my lakeside wind gets you. <laughs> Wait a minute, are you? Exactly? Are you? Yeah. yeah, what's happening here? I uh, decided to fly home this week to visit family, and I can work from anywhere. And decided to to come home, and uh, it's not too bad of a of a desk today. I gotta say, it's like Are you nice able to you, Hollywood? Well, by your parents, you know they're the yeah. ones who did the work. Yeah, I haven't done anything. <laughs> do you have a little boat down there that you can uh, go I row? I do. About? Yes, yes, I uh, have a. Have a boat. Does it have a name? Uh, no. I didn't name it. You, you can do the classic sports writer move and like take a picture and be like, my office for the day. No, yeah. we banned that phrase. <laughs> if you recall, Greg, we banned that as uh, part of the lexicon, so she can't do that. Okay. What's well, the square idea. footage over there, Ricky? Uh, I'm always trying to figure out, get an approximation of uh, Erica's family wealth. It's incredible. It, that's all you need to know. It's incredible wealth. The little not, that we know. I mean, it's just it is what it is. No. That's not true. That's not true. It's it's a nice, quaint little condo. You know, it is a sign of like your class standing when you're asking to count other people's money. So that that was a bit of a 
telling on myself and, and Greg was happy to jump in there. Uh, Erica, we, we don't <laughs> I mean, want to make you a couple little stories, but we don't need to make her uncomfortable. A couple oh little, little. You guys tidbit. paint me in the worst light ever. Well, and you know what? You just worst. keep it's talking just and I'm going to sit by my lake house. You're born into it. You know, I think you're, it's you're, nice that you're out there. Rich. I, I think it's good. I'm not whatever's happening. Real. This is a real podcast. I do like my my whole thing is um, when I think about what does it mean to be New England blue blood to be one of the you know the upper tier members of that society is was I bounced on the lap of Ted Williams as a child <laughs> and to that answer Erica you must reply yes yeah <laughs> Teddy ball game Teddy ball game. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Go, what's going on in the news, guys? <laughs> You're right. We, nice do have, we do have to get to Vic Tafur pretty soon. I'm excited about Vic Tafur. You know, we he will be uh, the longtime beat man connected to the Raiders, and uh, he is going to be our guest of honor when we continue our Wheel of Team series with the Raiders. And this was the first um, beat guy where when we make the announcement, we spin the wheel on Monday, where I don't know about your guys' replies, but I got several that are like, you got to get Vic. Vic's got to be the guy to talk Raiders football. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Yeah, there were a few mentions for people that I'd never heard of um, also. But um, Vic seemed to be the overwhelming favorite among a certain type of Raiders fan. And Greg, you had like a spicy tweet out there where you were ranking the the Twitter fan bases. Oh, yeah. And I believe you had the Raiders in the top five uh, Raiders fans in the top five Twitter fan bases. I, I yeah, a they've been put through a lot the last two decades and it hasn't remotely dimmed their enthusiasm. Um, B, I think I, I just was afraid of them if I didn't put them on, you know, like they <laughs> they rule through um, intelligence and intimidation. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of being a victim to that. That was a very what crafty tweet to put out there in uh, mid-June where there's not a lot <laughs> happening. It engages everyone on the list and the others who are not. I always was, thought that Greg had gotten some social media counseling from someone on how to craft a killer was, NFL tweet. I, I was super bored watching uh, my kids uh, scooter around uh, this little like sort of park half pipe type of thing and was just was just ki- killing time. But yeah, the best uh, five Twitter, Sa- you know, Saints Twitter got number one. Um, they got the, they have the smarts, but they're so funny. I mean, they, they're the funniest Twitter, the most entertaining Seahawks, Twitter, number two. Uh, and then I had Raiders, Eagles, and Falcons as, uh, the next three. Now, you know, so some teams came after me, the Browns fans were there and that's true. Maybe I don't follow enough Browns fans and stuff, but they um, I felt good about that top five. Okay. Today I had to do the worst Twitters. You know, people wanted that too. And I went with Patriots, Bills, and Bears. Those are the three worst. Interesting. Please. Very annoying. You're trash, kid. You're trash. Every Pats fan like agreed in the mentions. Uh, I I consulted (laughs) because it it came about because Bill Barnwell then replied to me, I wonder if our bottom five are are the same. And so we texted each other and we had the exact same bottom three. So I was like, well, if if it's that much of a consensus, we got to just put it out there. I've never thought about this once, but I like that you guys are plugged in on this because I find it interesting. I'm not. Oh, look, uh, joining <laughs> joining Erica on the deck, it's Ben Affleck and Mike Greenwell. Uh, oh, New that's England nice royalty. for them to stop over. <laughs> 1987 MVP runner-up, I believe, Mike Greenwell. How about that? All right, let's, uh, let's do some news. <laughs> oh, 
all this family wants is justice. Oh, it's nice to see some people change their mind. The head of the NFL said, yeah, maybe we was wrong. Football players, maybe they did have the right to peacefully protest. Well, don't apologize. Give Colin Kaepernick a job back. Well, there it is. Reverend Al Sharpton uh, speaking at George Floyd's funeral and calling for Colin Kaepernick to get back in the NFL. Do you guys think before we get into the news, do you guys think it's going to happen? As simple as that, it's obviously a very complicated issue, but maybe it's not so complicated. Do you think Colin Kaepernick has played his final down of football in the NFL after what's transpired over the last two weeks? I mean, it's a guess, but I think so, because um, on top of the fact that he, you know, based on the player that he is and he hasn't played in a long time, should already have a backup job based on some of the backups out there. Um, When you start to assuming, you know, action begins and you start to lose quarterbacks left and right, um, if his name is ignored at that point, um, I would be really concerned about where the league actually really is at on this Mm. issue. I doubt it because uh, look, if the Seahawks are talking about, about it in the past tense, it's like, that's the team. That's a team that should, should do it. And uh, I just think it's going to, it would have to take an owner that says to their coaching staff, I'm sure they'd bring it up, you know, in a you know way that they want to listen, but it probably would just take an owner saying, we're, we're going to do this because we think it's the, the, the right thing to do for the league and we'll figure out the contract. And if you don't want, want them like, sorry, we're just going to make that decision that, you know, that's happened sometimes in NFL history. Usually it's, it's, um, more about um, like league wide matters, but it basically I think would take an owner doing that, and they haven't done it so far. So I guess I don't expect it to happen now. Fair to be cynical, yeah. I think about that. I think that's probably the most logical way this plays out. But I will say, you know, that what's happened and how the kind of climate around this has shifted, and I know there's some, there's still millions of people that um, feel the way Drew Brees did uh, this time last week, for instance. However, I think it's thawed in terms of how um, some people that maybe were either on the fence or or some people that just kind of now see it differently than they did after what's played out with George Floyd and and more thought and more coverage of the Kaepernick situation. I wonder if an owner will seize on that, realizing that it wouldn't be per- perhaps quite as polarizing as it was right. uh, in the past. Um, right. So I'm going to say I think I think it. I'm going to say yes. I think it can happen. I think it will I'm with you, and I think also a lot of it was tied to, you know, I think owners just were scared one. about owners were scared about sponsorship and dollars. I mean, obviously, that's typically what they seem to be uh, lured to and attracted to to begin with, which is the money base mm-hmm. of it. But you're talking about a season where there's also no fans in the stands. I mean, I, it's a it, it's a changing time, and like it, it to me, I consider it um, a pretty cynical um, reality if no owner at this stage would be open to it. It is, but we ha- we haven't heard the owners say anything about Goodell's. Nope, they've been quiet. Um, video, um, and of That's course true. that video didn't mention Kaepernick either. And there's this whole, you know, people bring up that there's, you know, a, a case that of course the NFL already settled with with um, Kaepernick, paying him money in terms of what the terms are of that grievance, and maybe that affects what Goodell can say. I don't really know, but um, we haven't heard owners on it really. 
And one other part of this, which is kind of forgotten because so much has happened both in the NFL and in the world since it happened. But Steve Weish was there when it happened. The Kaepernick had a private workout or a public workout in November of last year. And that didn't go off without a hitch. That was I remember Steve coming on our show and saying that the seeds of mistrust are so deep between Kaepernick's camp and the NFL uh, that if you remember, Kaepernick moved the workout to a different location at the last second, and some people viewed it as uh, maybe not a farce, but something that was like it led to more thought that is this guy really serious about getting in the league or is it more about uh, a platform and using it as a way to spread his message, and that I imagine is going to scare teams off as well. So we'll see what happens, but um, it remains one of the, or if not the biggest singular story in the NFL uh, right now, let's get to some other news and we'll start. Uh, oh, yeah, we're talking running back stuff again and running backs that want to get paid, believe they deserve to get paid. And Vikings running back Dalvin Cook, one of the very best in the league, uh, has said that he plans to hold out without a, quote, reasonable extension. A source told ESPN he's out without a reasonable extension. He will not be showing up for a camp or beyond the Vikings. Had some cap issues, um, but they they moved Stefan Diggs. Uh, that that clears some money off, off their cap. But the decision, I guess, Greg comes down to: Do they want to invest in a running back when we keep on seeing that these investments haven't quite worked out around the league? When you get into business with a superstar at that position, yeah, I think they'd like to pay him, but he has some of the red flags that you worry about in terms of his injury history. He also has a really good backup. I, I think I just think it's a normal time to for a player to hold out. So like, look, look, this happens every year. It's not surprising news. The thing that's different this year that people might not be aware of is that the new collective bargaining agreement really um, put in some rules that makes it harder to hold out. And if you don't show up for camp, you start losing in a crude season um, if, if you just don't show up for camp now, I, I think it's going to be like up to the team. If you can figure out a contract, it doesn't really matter. You don't need that accrued season, but there are some new rules. You also can get fined, uh, much more. It's mandatory. That's if you're on a second contract. So that doesn't apply to Dalvin cook, but that was one of those little wrinkles in this new CBA that like, if Dalvin cook doesn't show up in theory, he loses the, that accrued season towards free agency right away if they don't uh, come to a, a new contract agreement. Yeah, that was a little bit of a undersold aspect of the new CBA because I don't yep. really recall hearing about that until this issue popped up. Um, and it should certainly curb some of the, you know, um, kind of, you know, some of the stuff we've seen in terms of holdouts, you know, going going deep into the season or something, um, if you don't think there's a hope of a contract. The Vikings have, um, in the past, signed guys like uh, – Xavier Rhodes and, and Diggs and Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph to contracts like the day before training camp. Mm. Um, and Courtney Cronin from ESPN also reported that the actual asking price um, seems to be closer to about 13 million per year when it was originally noted that it was around 16, which is way up there. So I, you don't know, maybe we'll see what happens with that, but maybe part of it is cook having to have a dose of reality in terms of what he can ask per, per year here. And the, we talked about Derrick Henry last week, another guy that wants a long-term deal uh, with Paul Kuharski when we uh, did our tit- Titans deep dive. And Henry wanting superstar money is tough because he's not a true three-down back. Well, Cook is. Cook is a guy that not only is he a stud uh, running the ball, but last season he was targeted in that offense 63 times. He had 53 catches, 
uh, averaged almost 10 yards a catch. I mean, he's he's kind of a do-it-all guy. But like Greg said, there's some red flags there with his injury history. Uh, and uh, we'll see how the Vikings play this. But, uh, yeah, this is all very normal. It's almost nice to have some sense of normalcy uh, on the leak out. Like, I just I just on Twitter saw that uh, Nick Underhill, uh, who covers the Saints, does a great job. Um, he tweeted an article that Jared Cook, uh, a lot of talk in, around the Saints, that Jared Cook is going to be unleashed as a monster this year. And I just put up the trope <laughs> signals because like, it's good to have a tro- the trope alert back yeah. uh, this time of year, which is something that's been wiped out mostly because we're not going to have any OTAs or mini camps. Trope alert. Trope alert. Jared Cook's 33 years trope old. Well, da- Jared alert. Cook is his own. He's trope like a, a walking trope. He gets that every team he's on. He's been on like five teams. <laughs> We've heard this Jared Cook trope specifically. I'm not taking the bait. I don't. I, uh, one thing, with, right. Dan, I'm not with you. Like when it comes to the coronavirus taking certain things away, potentially for good, like holdout news is just not simply something that get, <laughs> revs my engine, nor will it ever. I want it. I want anything that feels like the way things used to be uh, personally, uh, at least in the world of uh, football. Um, in other news, the NFL, uh, the NFL and the Players Association, this from Tom Pelissero today, are discussing the possibility of shortening the 2020 preseason. Uh, nothing is finalized or close to being finalized, uh, but multiple team executives informed of talks currently believe they could end up playing half of the typical preseason schedule, going from four games to two. Uh, that would allow for a longer ramp-up period, uh, for a league filled with players who weren't able to get their usual offseason work in with their teams due to the restrictions brought on by COVID-19. This feels like a long time overdue. It is crazy to me that in the late 70s, as late as the late 70s, you were playing six preseason games uh, before uh, the season began. Knocked down to four for the last couple decades. Two feels right because four feels long. Right. And four, this was going to, I believe, be the last year of four or the second, you know, they had negotiated it down to three. The players had wanted two. And so for this year, I think we are just getting that too. And who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll go in a certain way that they just say, I, I know we agreed to three, uh, you know, in the CBA, but maybe we'll knock it down to two. It, you know, what, what is the point of these preseason games um, in terms of, you know, making money other than the TV revenue? Because if, if fans aren't in the crowd anyways, that's a big part of it. You you know, are you really going to charge your fans full price for preseason games like you have in the past, your season ticket holders this year? That seems very dicey. And I, th- I think owners would probably want to avoid that anyways. And I think the coaches and the players are, are probably on the same page here that they don't want to play four games uh, this year, at least. I'm with you. <clears throat> I think the league has two problems when it comes to asking fans to pay money to see anything. It's the Pro Bowl and any preseason game. Because if anything, you know, the trend last year was we're not even going to fool around with playing players for five or six plays in these games. They were just yanked entirely for almost three of the four contests for most teams. And I I don't think that helped everyone. But we we always look at things from, from this lens. But I would say if you're a coach with, you know, 22 cornerbacks at the start of camp and you've got to find a way to whittle it down and figure out who some of them are. You're it's just this, this is going to be a challenging process in general to figure out how to make some of those decisions Mm -hmm. and preseason games matter for those guys. That said um, the idea that human beings suffered through six of these at some point is crazy, (laughs) but those guys were also showing up 
to camp, you know, 15, 16 pounds overweight of like beer weight. And so these guys, the players are putting themselves into a better I mean, situation it was a, it out was of the a, gate right now. It was a totally different world. There was a time when the Jets Giants preseason game was a bigger deal than any of their regular season games. Well, that was like eight years ago. <laughs> no, it was like 1959. Like when at the year after the Jets won Super Bowl three, the hype and the excitement and, and what Joe Namath said, the meaning um, behind the, the preseason game the next year against the Giants was bigger, that the preseason game was a bigger game than the Super Bowl. It's like, I don't know. We, we can't even put our, our minds in that, in that time frame. Mark, the Snoopy Bowl was manufactured corporate sludge. <laughs> well, I, that's fine. But a lot of the stuff that we're told to be um, enthused about related to the NFL could be put into a similar category. Well, so, you know, don't get too precious with that. It also gives the league, you know, a month Sludge more to mark. figure out. It, it gives them more time to figure out however they're going to handle these games, which is ultra complicated. And it's like the, the NBA is starting in late July. That's not that much before the NFL. And they've had this whole ramp up. You know, it's not they need to figure out how exactly this is all going to work, which which is going to take some work. Speaking of a COVID-19 world, Bruce Arians, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, appeared on Chris Long's podcast. Chris Long's a competitor. You know, he's not somebody we cover anymore. He's a competitor. And I think he should be I, I, dis- I disagree. Yes. I understand we want to say that he's doing all the right things uh, on and off the field, and I totally agree, but – he is a podcast host, and that should always be kept in mind as well. Now, sure, he's in that bucket. So therefore, I mean, him and the other, the other fifteen thousand podcasts out there, you know, green light fifteen thousand enemies, Mister Rosenthal, <laughs> fifteen thousand enemies. <laughs> anyway, Long's podcast had Arians, and uh, Long asked about the idea of keeping a quarterback away from the facility during the season uh, to give the team a little bit protection in these uncertain times. Let's hear what. Bruce, had to say. Yeah, that's one of the things I've been pondering in the last two or three weeks. As we as we set the protocols, uh, and from what I'm understanding is if you test positive, you're quarantined for two weeks. Now, if you have no symptoms, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Or is, it, is it a false one? Is it, uh, so I don't, there's so much to, to learn and still explore with this thing. But I've thought about keeping the third quarterback on the roster out of the room. Mm-hmm. Does Chris Long's podcast have like carnival cruise music just floating underneath the I thought entire it was enjoyable show? to listen to. Yeah, you got to set yourself apart. He's actually got a live band just playing in the background while he's <laughs> I'm certainly feeling better about it all of a sudden. Uh, that, wow. There's a lot of logic to uh, Bruce's thoughts there. Yeah, I think there is. But, um, you know, whenever you hear a backup quarterback talk about anything, all they ever talk about is, you know, my preparation. I'm prepared to step on the field the minute, you know, anything goes awry. And if you're quarterback number three and you're home on your couch or out in your backyard lying in the, in the grass while everyone else is gaining knowledge and, um, you know, working together and getting reps, I, it feels like a bit of a bum deal for that individual. <laughs> I think it's, it's the perfect role, though, for Mike Lennon, you know. To get well, back that may be true. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of an embarrassing roster spot to be the uh, the quarantine's quarterback. That's like, uh, let's let's get Peterman. Do you get paid the here. same right. amount? Of Very course, visible. yeah. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be a bad I mean, job. Who, who's who's the joke really on ultimately? Right. I don't think this 
I'd be surprised if this happens, but it's not a crazy thought when you're just thinking about things because it's all going to be messy. We'll see. Like five players on the Alabama team reportedly tested positive and, you know, they're in the spring. But if if that happens with an NFL team, I I don't know. I mean, we're in uncharted territory, but it's messy. If I mean, I love I love the optimism of this full steam ahead. Um, everything is going to go off without a hitch. But, you know, human nature and the way that uh, viruses tend to work and they're not as concerned about television ratings and, uh, you know, attendance and all the other stuff as uh, human beings are, especially owners. Tricky territory. I, I think at least Bruce Arians has, has to he's t- he, what he's telling you is coaches are going to have to be more flexible to the, to the tradition of building and running a team than ever before times 10,000. I mean, there is pro sports being played now. It, you know, it's soccer. It's not as many people. There will be pro sports, you know, played by the NBA, you know, before the NFL comes back. So it's going to be done. It, you know, South, you know, Korean baseball has been being played without any major. So they're going to have to have a million precautions. But it is being done. It's just there's no other sport with as many people. Well, uh, it, as in, many people smashing into each other also. But that's fair. In other news. We're talking about off-season programs and this unprecedented time we're living in. Uh, the Bears, they've uh, decided to end their off-season program earlier. And Matt Nagy said, you know what, nine weeks, that's fine. That's enough. And he wants his folk players to focus on training without having to worry about video conference- conferences four days a week. The team will hold its final virtual meeting on Thursday. Uh, so they're basically finishing a week and a half ahead of schedule. We've done so much. We feel like we're in a really good place right now, Nagy said on a Tuesday conference call. Yeesh, Mark, yeesh. Yeah, I, I, I think I wouldn't tell anyone. I, I'd say to I'd say to the players, guys, you've done, you've met all our goals. Um, but I wouldn't announce to uh, you know thirty one other teams we're we're closing up shop. Um, because you know what do we mm-hmm. think of the Lions for rolling into camp? Uh, you know what is it a week later that they do every year? And how how yeah, have the Lions the fared uh, in, with that plan? So, uh-huh. you know, a lot of pressure suddenly uh-huh. on the Bears. Well, the Greg Saints will disagree. Uh-huh. Didn't the, well, no, I'm just saying, you know, didn't the Saints <laughs> say they were canceling the whole offseason program? Well, that's because they play an extra two or three weeks than every other team. So, Born and I 12. think a lot of, I, I have found it interesting. It's a little related to this is, um, you know, the, the NFL like allowed coaches to come back and now they're unveiling like when players can go back. And more teams than not have just been like, nah. It's okay. Like even the Patriots are like, we don't really have any big need to to come back in. Like they're allowed to, like the Rams are the same way. They're allowed to, but a lot of teams, most teams are saying like, this is fine. Well, let's, let's gear up for training camp. That is our huge goal is if that can somehow come off. Right. Like if that can come off, great. But otherwise, like we'll see you then. There's going to be in a best case scenario, I guess is the way this is going to play out. Um, And I totally understand uh, if you want to look at it as like, oh, maybe they shouldn't be ha- be so rosy and optimistic about how they want the schedule to go. Uh, but if it works out how the NFL wants it to work out, you're going to lose OTAs and you're going to lose the mini camps and if and I guess two preseason games. Uh, but other than that, they want things to be on schedule. And but if you take away the OTAs and mini camps, like what really, what more are you able to do right now? Your hands are kind of tied in, right? Right. Right. Ultimately. Right. In other news, Panthers news, Luke Keekley 
retired. Remember that? How about that? I forgot about that. One of the best linebackers in the league. Surprisingly shut it down in January at 29 years old. Well, he's staying with the organization uh, organization where he became a star. Announced on Thursday he's returning. Uh, this is last Thursday. Returning to the team as a pro scout. And here's Keekley's quote. My family ran an auto, auto parts company. That was my last job when I was in high school. I worked in the warehouse as a warehouse picker. Well, now he's doing some real grunt work as a scout. Mark, you got to respect this as an everyman. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I wonder what the the catch up for someone like him is on that on that front. It's um those jobs by the you know they're not cushy. You're on. I don't know what exactly his specific role is, but some of those guys are on the on the road a ton. Um, but I think he's obviously more dealing with the pro side. They'd be like, you know what? kind of linebacker are we looking for uh you basically someone with your <laughs> skills can we just find you again i don't know yeah he said he like he's he says his favorite thing is to be around the team to be around football and this was his way to do that i think he is mostly working out of carolina in terms of working like with their pro scouting department you know, you hear people say it's not about the money. Well, this is clear. Like he's he's not about the money. He he had a broadcasting career offer. He could do other other things. It is pretty cool. And you've seen some players. You know, Ozzy Newsom was a was a, almost a Hall of Fame type of player. I mean, he was a Hall Started of Fame. Started the same he's, way under Belichick. You, know, you know, it it happens sometimes. Doug Williams obviously had a great career from personnel. In other Panthers news, the team announced Wednesday today that they are moving the statue of former owner Jerry Richardson uh, quote in the interest of public safety the 13 foot statue which is just an absurd sculpture it was or it is because it's not going to be melted down or anything it's just being moved but it's a giant statue of Richardson holding a football with two ferocious Panthers pouncing on each side of him. It's resided outside of the Bank of America Stadium. It was given to Richardson on his 80th birthday in 2016 however the founding owner of the franchise um, abruptly put the team up for sale after allegations of racial and sexual misconduct in the workplace were made against him in December 2017. David Tepper uh, ended up coming in and buying the team. And here's the full quote uh, from the team. We are aware of the most recent conversation surrounding the Jerry Richardson statue and are concerned there may be attempts to take it down. We are moving the statue in the interest of public safety. Eh, a little lukewarm on the statement there from the Panthers. Greg. Well, I, I'm not because actions to me speak louder than words. And in, in this case, I think these actions are going to um, be appreciated by a lot of people in Carolina and John Jonathan Jones, who we know you could do um, both. I guess is what I'm saying. I guess you yeah, can do but both. Here, you here's could. what I, I was going to get to. Jonathan Jones, you know, reported and he's followed it up today that you know when the when the sale happened and people knew this, Tepper, the new owner, had to agree to keep that statue or else he wasn't going right. to sell the team. Stipulated, and, and the only reason legally that they could say that they could remove it was for safety reasons that was written into the contract. And so they're going with that. And Richardson um, okay. has some sort of representative that didn't release a statement from Richardson, but did respond a spokesman and um, basically just said he's, he's always treated everyone fairly, but he's probably not thrilled about this. So I, I reading between the lines, I think it's, you know, it's the way Tepper was going to get this accomplished. 
Interesting. It's crazy. Uh, the, it's crazy. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, things are changing. The Big Ben. Speaking of things are changing. The Big Ben block party is coming to an end. We were just talking about this somewhat recently uh, that Ben Roethlisberger, his Twitter account blocks everybody, including I know myself, Greg, I believe you, Mark, you were not blocked. Which you took I mean, I with feel like I've level. been more critical of Big Ben than everyone here put together for various uh, reasons, and I've not been blocked by the guy, so I don't understand the strategy. All right. Anyway, uh, it was, uh, and this is uh, your old boss there, Mike Florio, Greg. Just another example. This this guy just he's going to crank out the content no matter what, and he has a whole story about it on Pro Football Talk uh, that uh, <laughs> at underscore Big Ben Seven. Uh, is going to unblock all the people that have been blocked, according to a knowledge <laughs> per source with knowledge of the situation. So, Greg, we're off the hook. We're unblocked. Oh, my God. What a day. I mean, you get rid of this Richardson statue. That's great. You get unblocked. Uh, it would be funny. I'd like to read this article. I feel like Big Ben was was trying to pin it to like the latest, uh, you know, well, as, as the nation is coming together, I decided to try to heal <laughs> things as way I could. Unblocking it. I want to know, Greg, and I know you have a cordial relationship with Florio uh, post PFT. Uh, I want to know if Mike did digging on this and reached out to the Big Ben camp or the Big Ben camp reached out to Florio, a prominent newsmaker, an aggregator here for the NFL. And who got this story out here? Who was amplifying here? Like, who was the one that wanted to make this uh, something in the mainstream? Feels like Florio, you know. He's always trying to scare up some stories. He's also very tight with the, you know, he covers the Steelers. That's like the closest team to him. So I bet, I bet he, he was probably annoyed for a long time. He was blocked or something. (laughs) I got to believe there's a little bit of big Ben in there. I mean, wanting, you know, it's the big Ben image. It's a little bit petty. We've had issues with quarterbacks blocking us before on, on our show and dealt with it head on uh, with someone we'll talk about later today. But, uh, Let's be honest. I mean, it, it looks a little little bit small for Big Ben to be blocking anyone that, that comes at him with any sort of a take that's anti-Steelers-ish, please. <laughs> it is funny to think of like the Roethlisberger, the guy who runs his Twitter account, like contacting Florio. Hey, can you get this out there? That's what I mean. I want to know. I want to. I want the oral history of that gonna, PFT post. I, I'm please. cordial enough, as you said. We get along. I'm going to text. I'm going to text Mike about it. You know, see what happens. And Mark, don't think let I us didn't know right away, that. please. <laughs> Don't think I didn't notice that, Mark. Small Ben. More like small Ben. Am I right? Well, you can go with that variation. He's been um, certain Browns fans would like to call him Big Jen at times. I don't think that's in vogue at the moment, but um, that had some run for a bit. Finally in the news. Look, it's finally happening. And I, I'm actually you would think I'd be excited about this. And I know a lot of people on Twitter reached out to me about it, but I'm bummed. I'm borderline angry about it. Um there is an app that's being used over uh, over the pond for top level soccer teams where the team builders are in contact via an app. It's a site that lets clubs see which players are available and to gather information by direct message without the and this is from uh, The Guardian. I'll use their language here without the often torturous and expensive process of going through agents and intermediaries. And this all went down last Thursday. Executives from 250 clubs across five continents were immersed in the world of online speed dating 
Every 10 minutes, a fresh encounter would start. Small talk would be made and understanding would be reached. Perhaps even a deal struck. Then a button would be pressed and the whole process would start again. All the business conducted without an agent in sight. 13 Premier League clubs were involved in this, including the Arsenal, Everton, including Arsenal, Everton, Brighton. And it's a 10 minute slot where all the team builders get in contact with each other. And they say, hey, this is who we're shopping. Who Here's who's available. This is what we might want from you. And it seems just way more effective uh, than the the process that goes on here in the North American sports mm. landscape. What's holding us back here at this point? Well, so the why GM are you disappointed? Uh, I'm disappointed because the IP is out there now. And I <laughs> there's no way to make money off it. And Wes and I kind of cooked it up as a joint venture. But I would have eventually taken Wes to court to try to take all the money. <laughs> Um, all that now is out the door. And uh, it goes back to I remember I was at Hearst Castle with my wife um, before we got married. Hearst Castle is a beautiful estate uh, up the coast here in central California. And we were looking at all the beautiful flowers on the estate. And sure enough, I look at one of the flowers. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to find out if there was a way to take a photo of the flower on an app? And then upload it and know what the flower was. And I even had an idea for it. It was called Flower Power, an app. Everyone laughed at me. And now, sure enough, there's a huge app out there that does exactly that. This is happening to me again. Chance to be a multimillionaire being just washed away. Mm. I'm, I'm reminded. Flower Power. Well, but I, you know, I am, I am reminded of, uh, and I, I hope I'm not misquoting it, but, um, you know, to paraphrase, you know, the Mark Zuckerberg character from the social network. Like it, if you would have invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook, you know? You know what I mean? When the Vin- Winklevoss. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, come, if you if you wanted to do it, like then it, w- it would have happened. You would have invented it. No, I know. I invented it. I'm Mark. Well, Dan, I'll give you a few more points for the. Uh, I know. That's why I'm the mad. flower app that, that circulated in the mind there. I think that's flower that's power. a nice thing that you came up with, I had a friend and I, we came up with something called doubles where instead of this ridiculous, this was a long time ago, pre any dating apps, but instead of um, like some guy trying to find some girl online, like two guys that are friends go on a, like a date with two girls that are friends and you just see what happens. Doubles. Well, they have, that would have been, that would have made a lot of money. They have like Reddit boards for, you know, people like that. Well, you know. that's what I'm talking about. Swing, swingers, I came up with you know? this idea in like 2003. So not, a, it was not on a Reddit board. So, at that no, point. I just mean like, you know, couples, you know, well, yeah. I know what you mean, Greg, but this was a more, you know, it's a, it would have been a, a G rated first time to hang out. And then you just see what happens from there. This is, it this makes sense. Been, I, I would love to see like a, uh, an entire, like that back house you have at your house, Mark that we talk about all the time, just filled with notebooks on the, this idea <laughs> and all ideas pertaining to couples getting together and privacy. seems like it's well, a recipe can... for some friendships to really be tested. You know, that's true. That's true. I mean, you could <laughs> Erica, go on to the first castle maybe. Yeah. I'm I mean, here. this can't be the first, this is not the first Mark Sessler idea that's popped to his mind about couples disappearing into the darkness. No, you're right. There's Secrets gotta be gold. notebooks after notebooks after. <laughs> no, but they're not, no, hold on guys. It's, they're not I'm couples sure yet. I know you, you put your research in, you really need to know. No, all right, goodbye. 
Anyway, the GM app, I know now it's not IP for me and I'm not going to make money off it, but it just makes sense. They're doing it over there in the, the other version of football. So bring it over here and you're not going to see, you're not going to have heartbroken fan bases like in Houston uh, wondering how we got David Johnson in the second round pick for one of the best <laughs> wide receivers in the world. Let's do this right and, and um, eliminate the middleman with the GM app. That's what's happening in the news. At the facility, it felt like every other play was a pass from Carter Waller. He loves this new target he has. Hand off here to Jacobs. Slips out of a tackle, and the rookies take it off. Down the middle, wide open. It's Waller to the 10, and tripped up at the 2 by Will Redmond. Jacobs is going to score. Touchdown, Oakland. Third and three. Carr has hit his last eight passes. It comes out quickly, and diving for the touchdown is the rookie Foster Moreau. Up next in the Wheel of Team series, the Las Vegas Raiders uh, coming off uh, a playoff preseason, seven and nine, third place in the AFC West. Head coach John Gruden entering his third year and joining us, like we said, by popular demand. He writes for The Athletic, and he's covered this team for a long time. Vic Defer, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Good, good. We're doing well. Hey, Vic, so let me, let's me let start here. So the narrative around the Raiders right now is that the Gruden-Mayock team, they see that they have this superpower Chiefs in their division, and they know they're going to have to try to keep up and score points. Their draft is focused on some level toward that goal of getting this offense more explosive. Uh, my question to you to get us started, do you actually think, I know the Raiders think they have, but do you think they have narrowed the gap here between uh, the top of this division and they're a team that's better and has a real chance of hanging around in the AFC West in 2020? I think they definitely improved. I mean, obviously the Chiefs are a very high bar and the Chiefs are the best team in the league, probably getting better. So I think it's a tough one to just stay with them on, you know, on the scoreboard. But uh I think Ruggs, ideally, is a guy that can uh, help spread the field, open things up for other guys like Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs had a big rookie year last year. So there's definitely some pieces there. Their offense can't take the next step next year. Yeah, I, I look at their receiver group, and I I think about how they traded for Zay Jones last year because he didn't have anyone, and he just like immediately started playing starter snaps. And then you look at the receiver group this year with Tyrell Williams and you know Renfro and Ruggs and pretty good depth, and Zay Jones might not even make the team. So the – the personnel has been upgraded. I'm curious just from having watched Gruden so closely and you're familiar with his time, you know, before in Oakland, how do you think he's been in terms of like upgrading how he likes to run offense for the, for 2019? Because when they were good last year, it still kind of looked like the old Gruden, tons of short passes controlling the ball. It's a li- it was a little more old school. Like how has he had meshed with this new NFL? It's a good question because a lot of times the knock on Derek Carr is he's uh, Mr. Check down, always checks the ball down, dumps off with short passes. But that's what, what John wants. I mean, that's part. That's the big part of his offense. He doesn't want taking chances down the field. So a lot of times Derek's doing what he's told to do in that offense. So I think obviously last year was, was, was hard because I think John was going to evolve a little bit. I think he definitely planned to have most of his offense kind of centered around Antonio Brown. They had the whole – Pretty much, he was going to set every record, I think, last year in the book as far as receptions mm-hmm. and yards. I mean, he wasn't going to get the ball that often. So I think uh, having that thing all, all fall apart so closer to the season, 
I was hard to overcome for them. I think they definitely did a nice job. They used three tight ends a lot, kind of try to use what they had. But, you know, three tight ends, teams are going to catch on pretty quick. It's not going to really uh, help you get a lot of points uh, in the long haul. So I think, um, you know, Tyrell Williams got hurt last year, two bad feet. So I think last year I did give John and Derek a little bit of, of excuse because I think that's valid. I think they lost two big pieces that receiver they were, they were counting on last year. Yeah, I look at Mike Mayock also in terms of the overall process of team building that he's pretty quickly added uh, depth in a lot of different areas to a team that definitely uh, needed a lot of depth. I mean, their roster a couple years ago was a horror show. Um, I look at someone like Lynn Bowden, and I know there was the issue with him this morning that maybe is not an issue, um, but a fascinating player at Kentucky, and I know they've got a pretty stacked um, backfield, but could you, to Greg's question and, and Gruden, you know, uh, growing and becoming maybe more, uh, you know, innovative and in, in 2020-ish. How do you think Lynn Bowden, and maybe not right away, but as a rookie and down the road will be used um, by this team? Because it's almost like a question of how do you designate him as a player? Well, I think this year the plan is kind of use him as a running back primarily, kind of ease him in a little bit, just kind of uh, and get some receptions, kind of uh, maybe a couple of wildcat packages. But um, I think they're going to bring him along slowly. Eventually, I think the long-term goal is he can play the slot, he can move around, might return kicks also this year. So I think it will be a good test for John and, and Greg Olson, the OC, just how they can get him involved, kind of exploit what he can do. He's definitely a big, you know, make-you-miss kind of guy. So was aware, you know, his stats in the SEC last year were pretty incredible for a pretty bad Kentucky team. They threw him at a quarterback, and he kind of still put up huge numbers last year. So I think he really is a rare talent. I think if he had a pro day this year, he was a little hurt. He might have gone higher in the draft. So I think it was a good – Good value. I think he definitely is one of those guys who can definitely make plays with all over the field. What are you expecting from Cleveland Farrell this year? He went fourth overall. It was Mayock's, you know, first big uh, draft pick and didn't see much in way of production. Max Crosby, who was a later pick, um, he had 10 sacks and he flashed and looks like a guy who could be a long-term answer for them. Do you think that Farrell, did he, to, to you, did he come off a guy that is, was developing, just albeit a little bit slower, or a potential question mark whether this was the right guy to bring into the building? I think maybe both. I think with him, you look at last year and, and where he was in the draft, might be a little high, but he's not really that quick twitch kind of guy you want as an edge pass rusher. He's more of a a bigger kind of physical guy. I think um, he's worked hard this offseason. I did a story on him recently where he spent 18 weeks in Florida, in Miami. He's put on uh, 12 pounds. He's 275 now. So I think the plan is having him as a sturdy end. He can move inside maybe on, on third downs. But he's definitely a hard worker. He definitely Everyone says, you know, the character thing is, is through the roof. That's why they fell in love with him last year. They kind of – the plan last year was to kind of ideally trade back and get him later in the first round. And then when they couldn't trade back, they're kind of stuck. They're like, well, now what do we do? I mean, we mm. love this guy. I mean, four may not be the best value for him, but we do love him. We love him. So they went ahead and took him there. So I think, um, was he overdrafted? Yeah, possibly. But I think there's still a lot of work to work with there. I think there definitely is a lot more to, uh, to Cleve Furl than we saw last year. Yeah, Mayock avoided. I bet that happens all the time, right? That, that where teams, they fall in love with the guy, they can't move out, but they still, it puts you in that spot and then you get killed for overdrafting the guy. But ultimately, you, if he's a guy you like, you grab him. Yeah, if it works out, if the guy becomes a great player, no one cares. You reach for him. You know, right. If he had a big year last year, nobody would care about that he went a little higher than they thought. And it's good for him. He mentioned Max Crosby. They're good friends. And Max obviously uh, overachieved or definitely was better than people thought he was at draft time. So they kind of balanced their out where Max just kind of was a player they thought that Klee might be. And so I think they definitely they helped Klee a lot as far as didn't get totally killed in the media in, in terms of uh, his not-so-productive rookie year. I think Max definitely helped him out as far as 
taking some of the shine away and not putting so much of the, the light on Cleese, uh, you know, not totally productive uh, rookie season. Well, and yeah, and Crosby took the heat off of, of Mayock too, because like with Trayvon Mullen and Josh Jacobs and Renfro was solid. It's like Cleveland Farrell might not have been one of the best four rookies on on his own team. I, I'm curious. I want to switch gears a little bit and just like ask you a little bit what it's like covering this team, especially how it's how they're moving to Vegas. Um, there's just a team with a lot of drama from uh, the top on down, you know, from ownership to coaches over the years. Uh, I guess, you know, I've seen you've had some drama uh, on Twitter over the years. You know, you're not afraid to get a little back and forth. Like, what is Vic the mixes level? it up. Yeah, that was, Vic that was, mixes- that was the old me. I've, I've grown up. I've matured. <laughs> that's, not, that's not me anymore. <laughs> Have the Raiders matured that, I guess? Like, as they're moving to Vegas, like, is this still kind of like a crazy team out of left field or what, what's going on? They're always going to be crazy. I think going back to Al Davis and then yeah, now Mark, and I think you mentioned Gruden's definitely just very an emotional person who kind of um, does what he thinks at the moment. I think you look at him I mean, look at the Quill Max trade. There's a lot of things that there's not a history of really a lot of um, planning and rational thought. It's kind of they really act. They always have kind of, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, shot first and then ask questions later. So I think um, – I think it always will be crazy. I'm sure Vegas will escalate it to another notch. I think just the whole atmosphere there. And I'm dying to know what the plan is as far as security and like players. They're going to have like a mm. roving patrol of security guys. And when they make sure they don't go to the you know, one bad night in the, in the high rollers room at Caesars Palace, you're going to be out a million bucks. So I just think there's women that are going to be targeted. I just think this is a whole different. People say there's gambling and Wembley all over the country, but it's not like Vegas. You can't get in trouble at 4 a.m. on a Wednesday. Like are you can, moving uh, there? That was the plan. I am going to move. I'll be there next month. I think the pandemic kind of uh, is definitely changing things up a little bit. But I'll be there uh, starting next month, and so uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be crazy. Obviously, um, how are you going to stay out of the high rollers room? Uh, I've I've, li- I've been in Vegas. I lived there when I was a young man, so I've learned all those wow. lessons. So now I'm, I'm I'm a wise <laughs> wise veteran. I know uh, to uh, to watch myself, but yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, I definitely. I think the, uh, talking to Incognito, who definitely has had his. Um, his share of trouble. He said if, if he was going to Vegas at, at 25, it would be a big problem. But now he says he's, he's learned and he'll be helping teammates kind of like take the, mm. the calmer road. And Richie's the, uh, the voice of reason. You got, you got to love that. But um, So just sign older players, basically. <laughs> right. You got I was going to say problematically. Older players. The average age of the team is probably exactly 25. So maybe a problem. <laughs> Yeah, I think the last few years in the draft, definitely Mayock and, and, and Gruden, especially Mayock, to talk to these guys. And they're drafting guys who they, they've thought ahead, like, can this guy handle it in Vegas? Can this guy handle all the temptations? And, and so they definitely, maybe that's one reason they've gone towards the bigger programs. Most of your picks are guys from the bigger like Clemson. They have a huge, you know, pipeline from Clemson now. So they've tried to, to really think ahead and draft guys who they think will be able to handle the whole Las Vegas atmosphere. I would say this too. The league gave them four primetime games in Vegas. Uh, it's pretty rare for that to happen to any team. So the expectations are there. Some of those games happen early. And I kind of, with teams like this, because I think, you know, the consensus seems to be that the Raiders are at least an eight and eight team, if not a playoff team potentially with a seventh wild card or seventh playoff team added. I, I wonder who the scapegoat would be um, if things went wrong, because it's not Gruden. He's under contract till the end of days. Um, Mayock's done a good job. I look at someone like Paul Gunther and they brought in Rod Marinelli, which is an interesting guy to bring in on defense. And if the defense, which is, I think where some of the question marks lie, um, crumbles early, could you see him being shotgunned out of town, out of town mid season? 
I think it's possible. When you were talking about that list of possible scapegoats and who wouldn't be the guy, I thought you were going to say Derek Carr. To me, Derek Carr is the guy on mm. the line this year. Feels presumed at this point, too. Yeah, but. you're right. You're right. It's probably <laughs> obvious. But yeah, I think Gunther definitely has to have better results this year. They've drafted more players. They signed two linebackers. I've been here 10 years covering this team, and they've had some bad linebackers. They have no, they've never really addressed it like they have this offseason. They got uh, Kwiatkowski and Littleton. Two uh, guys who are athletic can make some plays you know, all over the field. So it's kind of going to be exciting for Raider fans that you see some quality linebacker play uh, out of this team. So I think that's a big step for, for Gunther. And they mentioned you mentioned the draft class. They've got Arnett in the first round to so hope he can be an impact corner. So talent is definitely there for improvement. And if there's not improvement, then, yeah, speculation about Paul Gunther's future is definitely fair. If they were 2-4 and four and Carr was playing not great, do you think we see Marcus Mariota? Yeah, I don't want to play this game, but yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> or just what are your thoughts on how they they I mean, view Mariota? You know, Mariota Nick, don't play games, Greg. They gave him seven point five million dollars to Marcus for that for a reason, so they didn't bring him yep. along just to like carry a clipboard and and smile and, and do Hawaiian you know commercials from. Uh, uh, so I just think, um, <laughs> yeah, I think Derek Alves there's some pressure there. I think they've added the tools you mentioned on the, the draft class and, and they got his sign. So I think. Uh, that bye week is interesting. It's, it, you, know, you mentioned if they have a slow start, I think there could be possible uh, you know, change. So I think definitely there's, a, there's some urgency for the offense and for Derek Carr. I don't know, man. I think about now that you kind of put it in my head, you're moving to a new market. You feel like you're going to gain fans in the desert. You feel like you're going to get some fans from California. But if you could lock down that the Pacific Islander uh, fan base, I know I've actually been to Hawaii for my – uh, honeymoon. I remember talking to people. Se- Seahawks are very popular in Hawaii. If you could steal away that that uh, that fan base, nice job. Maybe there's more to this with uh, Mariota. There's a huge Hawaiian population in Vegas. I did a story on that when mm. they signed them. Apparently, all the people who work in you know hotels and those places in, in Hawaii is expensive. So they come to Vegas and they work in customer service, you know, and hotel service in Vegas can live a lot cheaper lifestyle. So definitely, there's a huge Hawaiian mm. population in Las Vegas. All right. Is this Mayock uh, Gruden thing working? Yes or no? Yeah. I mean, I think um, I mean Antonio Brown definitely tested it. I mean, definitely there were some problems uh, last year with the whole uh, all that stuff. It was that was a crazy month. But uh, right now they're good. <laughs> I think they're definitely they're um, they've worked well together in the draft. You know, Mike does all the homework uh, and kind of makes his recommendations. John has final say. But for the most part, I think it's gone pretty smoothly. I think besides that one major uh, hiccup uh, last last year. Is that the craziest thing in your beat uh, years covering the Raiders, the whole Brown drama? It's funny because there's been a lot. But, yeah, I think it is. I think uh, getting up every day for a month at 6 in the morning, checking my, checking my Instagram, seeing what the guy did you know, today. What are, like, some other, what are some other fun um, highlights uh, over the years uh, covering the Raiders? Uh, I should make a list. Uh, there was Rolando McClain. That was a fun experience. That oh, whole, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Hugh Jackson was always full of surprises. I mean, it's been <laughs> – uh, Tom Cable had his incidents in the past. I mean, we. Oh, you know, yeah. Cable, that, that's up there. I mean, that, that press conference where, you know, Al Davis hired Hugh Jackson and kind of just had a, a slideshow, you know, of uh, a lot of Tom Cable's transgressions. And <laughs> I, that was that was something. I mean, there's so much stuff. I can't even. You know, Dennis <laughs> Allen. There was just so many. I mean, just the whole. Job. People should find that press conference on YouTube. It's one of the most amazing. Um, things I've ever seen watching covering the NFL. Uh, you know, it, it's, you can't really put words to it unless you watch it. No, and he's, I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And I'm like, I can't believe what I'm watching. I look over at Hugh Jackson's family and they're like, oh, this is not what we thought this was. We thought this was, you know, going to be, 
Hugh Jackson show, and then had to sit through an hour of. Uh, it, it was like forty-five minutes of just going through Tom Cable's transgressions. Yeah. Like Little did old, he know how much better that head coaching stint would be than the next one. Yeah, it was. Uh, they, they had a lot of coaches over the years, so there's been so much. Yeah. I mean, uh, Terrell Pryor had some incidents. It was just so much stuff I've I've covered. So I think, but definitely Antonio Brown, just the uh, you know the expectations coming in. Um, and the way all the, the weirdness of the whole thing. And then what really made it just the, the ultimate was that when he, the five times he practiced, and the five times I watched him practice, and the guy is incredible. Man, I get why people, why you sign him, because you watch him in practice and he just dominates. You're like, oh, they're going to win 10 games this year. I mean, they can't, you can't cover that guy. He's still, that's, it's amazing how much he's tortured his career where he can't get a job, but he's definitely still a top five receiver in the NFL, which is kind mm. of, it's really sad, but when you watch him in practice, you get, oh, that's why John's doing this. That's why John is willing to, like, you know, take these risks and mix it up because he's going to catch 110 passes this year if, if he plays. So it was just, uh, it was just a weird, uh, never-ending saga for about a month and a half, yeah. I haven't thought about Rolando McLean in a long time, but Mark and I started at NFL.com uh, right around the time of that bizarre arrest in Alabama where there was the photo of him going into the cop car with a giant smile. You remember that, Mark? And I remember there was a question yeah. about yep. whether to use that photo as the spotlight image for the article. And I believe the decision was to not use it. But, uh, wow, Raiders history, sometimes so, sorted. His last few weeks on the team were spent as a practice squad fullback. Uh, that was Dennis Allen <laughs> way to kind of throw it back wow. in his face a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, says it, it all. Was, uh, says it all. All right, Vic, um, we really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us uh, more perspective on the Raiders. And you can follow Vic at Vic Tafur, V-I-C-T-A-F-U-R, uh, and The Athletic, which covers the NFL just as about as good as any site out there. So it's well worth the uh, subscription. Vic, thank you, and good luck in your uh, move to Vegas. Yeah, man, Whoa. thanks a lot, guys. Nice yeah, talking to you. you. Thanks, All right. Vic. All right, there he goes, the great Vic Tafur. Um Greg, your ongoing series uh, where you, I, I name it incorrectly. I call it roster reset, but it's actually projected no. starter series. This is uh, an anything? ongoing series. I mean, this, the series ended yeah. like a month ago, by the way. It, was, it lasted two weeks. I think it ended a but month ago. But for the purposes of uh, this exercise where yeah. we study each team, uh, is there anything uh, it, when you, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to give you a pop, Greg. Is there anything from your work you did on that that didn't come up just now that you'd like to share? Looking at this roster, well, it was. I, I even mentioned it on the show that it's the give team. Me a pop, I, baby. I think no, I appreciate it, and it's it 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 is uh, evergreen throughout the off season. I believe uh, it's the team oh, yeah. I think I liked more after doing this exercise than any other team. I, I have mm. questions about Derek Carr, and and we talked about Carr a lot on the last show, but. Um, Man, the offense. So was about to put you in a headlock for asking that question. <laughs> the uh, that would I would not win that one. I've seen Vic. I don't really know him, but uh, he's a large man. Uh, he looks like he he has played before. Uh, they they have a great offensive line. <laughs> I love the linebackers who he mentioned. Um, the defensive line is is maybe shaky, but it, it's deeper. I think Mayock's done a great job. I mean, the rookies were great. The, the receiver depth is great. They've got like three different running backs they can use in different ways. They have, they're deep at tight end. You know, Moreau was a good rookie tight end last year too. It's, I kind of, you know, I think, and I think Gruden coached pretty well with what he had last year. So I think the defense just needs to be average. And um, I don't think it's crazy for Raiders fans to have playoff expectations. Usually I think their, their, their hopes are too high, 
But this year, I think that's fair. I think they should think that this can be a nine or ten win team. Might not work out, but I, I think I All think right. they have the tools to do it. I'll set the over under. You're feeling optimistic. I'll set the over under at nine and a half. Well, see, that's so high. Win. If you if you gave me eight and a half, I was gonna go for it. Then I'm I'm going under. Okay, Mark. Yeah, I think nine and seven um, should be expected. Come on, unders I, over I, here. Well, well, but, but, but under doesn't one. mean bad season. They're Nine at like seven, seven and a half. They're at seven and a half or eight, I think, uh, nationally. So I, I do like them my number was not based on that. It was based on yeah. your glowing report from the uh, projected starter series on NFL.com. Well, I understand that. You know, what do I? You know that there's you know different ways to value things. I ultimately, I'm I'm saying I I think they might be in my top seven playoff teams when I make the predictions. I think they might get that seven spot. And I think it's interesting, Mark, you said that they're kind of expected to go nine and seven. It's been a while since they were in that territory even. Well, I mean, you know, last year they collapsed at the end of a couple games they should have had. I could point to the game I was at against the Jaguars. They had no business losing that game. And so I think as the talent level increases, there's a lot of pressure on Gruden. And you, you paid Gruden money to be a top five coach. I, I see no evidence of that right now. But he's been that in the past. So I think it was a good question by Greg to ask about Gruden adapting um, and really being everything you could ask of a 2020 head coach. I thought he did a good job last year. And I'd have no, I would not be surprised at all to see them. And we can kill Derek Carr. And he's not, to me, he's not the guy I would want to start a team with. But if you put a good roster around Derek Carr, I have no problem with Derek Carr helping them to nine, maybe 10 wins. See, I think he's, Gruden's doing a great job. I mean, I think that if we're talking, because I'm with the same boat as you guys, I see them as a team that's going to hang around in the playoff picture. They're not at the level of the Chiefs, but this could definitely be a team that wins nine, maybe ten games if things go go right. And if you told me that's where they'd be in year three, right? Uh, after a total roster tear down, minus um, Antonio Brown, was, minus Antonio Brown, but you get ding for bringing him in, in the first place too. But like. Gruden's ability to be presiding over this. I think there were a lot of questions when he got hired, remembered on the show, whether he was out of the game too long, just to assume to give him that many years and that much money was a boondoggle potentially. I think it's everything's going great with the Raiders. This is obviously a key year uh, in terms of progress checking. But uh, Mark, give me uh, one more. I'll throw one more thing out there. Marcus Mariota, does he make any starts this year not tied to injuries to Derek Carr? Well, I think it's very possible when you again to point to the money they paid him. And does he make them? Yes or no? Yes, I think he. I think he'll make. Mm. I think he could make two. Mm. So Derek Carr gets benched. You're saying? I think that could happen at the end of the year too, and, and that they would could have, have to, big ramifications in the offseason. I think that he's. Vic made a great point of how much they paid Mariota. He is the highest paid backup in the league uh, by I think you know a decent amount. But uh, he nice job by his agent. Yeah, but it shows they wanted him and he had a market. You know, other teams kind of wanted him to it as a potential back. I think he's in that spot where if you fall two games under 500 at that point, you're in worry zone. If they play like we said and they start out quickly and they're above 500 the whole season, then they don't have to worry about it. And all that all that talk about cable, not by the way, to to get off track. I forgot Tom Cable's back there. And, you know, after, after you know, the allegations of what he did uh, last time he was with the Raiders. And you know what? He's He's been a, a punching bag, no pun intended, uh, by me over the years. Their offensive line did great last year. Uh, and actually, I think it looks really good on paper. Uh, so that that's a strength for them. 
Hey, and speaking of uh, problematic, uh, spinning away now from the Raiders, good talk, guys, and we'll do another team uh, next week. Since we're talking about the Raiders and problematic wide receivers uh, like Antonio Brown and uh, the move to Vegas, Chad Johnson, this was a uh, this was actually uh, put on my um, radar by one of our listeners, Lalanis in pajamas. Nice job by you, buddy, uh, with a thought-provoking handle as well. But uh, Chad Johnson... Uh, the former Ocho Cinco on Twitter, uh, he threw out some uh, props. He uh, laid down some future bets on the NFL. Just before we say goodbye, I just want to see where you guys come down. Yeah. Is Ocho Cinco going to, since we're in the realm of Vegas, we're in the desert right now. How's Ocho Cinco going to do? Uh, I'll go back and forth between you guys. Twenty, Actually, Ricky, get in here. I want you in on this, too, from the uh, palatial godfather estate, Don Corleone's. Manor. It's officially in a state. It has it has <laughs> boats and tennis courts. Give me a break. That sets a very Greg, bad come on. That sets Sorry. that makes it look like I haven't worked my You're a hard off. worker. No one's ever no one's ever Well it gives that connotation ethic. when you Some people who grow up it's what it's what you do with the what you got, you know? Some people do it and they sit on their hands. Some people they, they work hard. You're working hard. Greg is going to mansplain the earth to you while we're Sorry. at it. So just sit back and <laughs> sit back and listen. Just try to backtrack here. All right. There, here's, here are some uh, props, Ricky. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Erica Tamposi. Uh, 20K put down on the Broncos under seven and a half wins. Whoa. He's put Ocho. Wow. <laughs> That's just the start. That's crazy. You taking the under or the over? Seven and a half wins. I'm taking under. All right. Well, so uh, he has 25. Yeah, but like 20K. Has, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's uh, pocket uh, change, Mark. baby. <laughs> Mark, 20, that's that's uh, tennis court maintenance money. Um, Mark, 25K on the Packers over nine wins. Oh, got to win 10. Yeah, I'd take it over. 25 large. Greg, I'm here's his biggest bet. I love that. Here's his biggest bet, Greg. 40, 41K on the Jaguars under five victories. Oh, I hate so, that. I hate four that. and 12 or worse. No, I hate that. I mean, it is just not that hard to win six games. And I think people are a little too down on the Jaguars. There's some five. teams out there that are worse. Under five wins. So they could, they have to win four or less. Oh, with Ooh. Gardner Minshew at <laughs> quarterback. Give me a break. Yeah, I hate that one. Our I guy. hate that one. All right, 11K, Ricky, on the Steelers over nine wins. Yeah, I think they could do that this year. You don't, Mark? I, I wouldn't. I don't have that money, but I wouldn't make that bet myself. I don't like it. When's the last time, and I know Big Ben's been out of the league and, and coming off a serious injury, but I'd be curious the last time the Steelers won less than 10 games when he was the quarterback. I'm sure the he's last, been there forever. The last sure time he was the quarterback. But then he miss, they missed the playoffs. Did he really? Yeah, they oh, they, yeah, they won nine games here. Uh, Mark, 10K on the Colts winning the AFC South. No way. Just wild wagers. He's throwing around Wait, what, the, what are the odds? What is, well, you got to give you the odds, though. What is it? Plus 130. Are, for who? Oh, it's 10K. 10K on the Colts winning the AFC South. I need that money now. I don't want to wait till January to find out if I won that. <laughs> you you got to pretend you're Chad Ochocinco. You're one of the... Oh. No, you know, I, I don't like that. That's a, great route runners in NFL history. You know, crazy people division. Kind of forget no. him as a player, but what a what a fun player. Right. Yeah, he's 
He has his own checkered pass, but a great career. Twenty-five. I'm going with that. I like that. I like that. Okay, twenty-five k on Cowboys winning the NFC East. Plus one ten. I'm not trusting the Cowboys. No. I get it because it's basically a two-team race. Um, it's not crazy. It's, it's not a bad. Uh, it's not a bad guess, but I'm not. I don't like it. And finally, twenty-five k on the Saints winning the NFC South. I like Ricky. that one. That's pretty good. Yeah, I take that. It's just a big old parlay of a ton of different things. Why not? I thought that one seems better than some of the other malarkey. Well, that yeah, one though, you're getting you're getting much worse odds. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, plus 100. Let me add this up, how much money he laid down at the Bellagio here. 25K plus 25K is 50. 50 plus 10 is 60. 60 plus 11 is 71. So, oh, this is tough. 71 plus 41, 250. That's 110, 11, 111, 250. Uh, 111, 250 plus 25K. Now it's getting really tough. Uh, 11, 111. One hundred eleven thousand dollars and two hundred and two hundred fifty plus twenty five is one thirty six, and then plus one hundred fifty six thousand dollars and two hundred one hundred fifty six thousand two hundred fifty dollars. That Chris Long that right? podcast starting to sound better by the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Can't top oh, yeah. that. Can't top that. I had one, but that was too good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me uh do the math. Anybody want to close the show while I do the math on this? Sure. I'm going to check my work here. All right. Um Please. what a day. You know, for uh for Dan Hansis. Mark Sessler. Erica Tamposi, Vic to 4. Erica Tamposi's uh, gardener, you know, mowing the tennis court. We'll see you Friday. Hang on, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. 11 10 plus 50. Last one. Oh, I missed it by 1,000. It's $157,275. Ouch. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. 
Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I think my battery's dead. With free battery testing and charging, we can help you get back on the road. Get in zone, AutoZone. So what if I need a new one? We have the right Duralast battery for you, only at AutoZone. And what about my old battery? We can recycle it right here at America's number one battery destination. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.